0: Hello and welcome to the Coffee and Hustle podcast. In this episode today, we're going to talk about behind the scenes with cybersecurity. I am Carla with Design by Carla and joining me on this podcast discussion is Jonathan Hard, the CEO and president of H2L Solutions. Welcome, Jonathan.
1: Carla, it's great to be here.
0: So you specialize in cyber and information assurance and provide cybersecurity solutions for government. And commercial customers is that right yes ma'am so do you want to give us a little insight about what your company does and what you provide from h2l solutions yeah
1: sure so from a capability standpoint there's a couple of different things that I guess I can speak to so we do we like you said we work with government customers uh, both on the DOD or the Department of Defense side and the federal side and on the commercial side we work with local entities banks hospitals uh, even you know private mom and pops kind of like stores to to better give them a platform of cybersecurity for a uh, reassurance that that their things or their information is being as secured as possible as it can be going over the internet and also being re- secured and in, in sound um, or also being taken care of that's on their servers and firewalls from. From that kind of uh, adversarial approach.
0: Now, you mentioned it says in here that you are a hub zone. Now, what does hub zone actually mean?
1: So, hub zone is historically underutilized business zone. So, every 10 years, the census comes out and they do their thing and they you know take a census of um, certain demographic places, socioeconomic kind of disadvantaged areas in cities, rural areas. And those areas are zoned as a hub zone. And so what the SBA, or the Small Business Association, does is if your company is headquartered in one of those lower income areas of a city or suburb that's been classified as a hub zone and 35% of your employees live in those areas, you can, can, be, you can become a hub zone certified company. And what that does is it lets you go after certain government contractual set asides that other companies can't go after. So it's kind of gives us a little leg up on going after other opportunities that have been put in this socioeconomic category that other regular companies that don't have their headquarters in those in those areas can't go after.
0: So you've been, now the way I read it here is that you've been involved in information technology um, and security since 2008. So is this is this something that you've always done or is it something that you kind of fell into? How did you get into this particular field?
1: Yeah, no. So I, I definitely did not grow up in this field. Uh, I graduated high school at Lincoln County up in Fayetteville, Tennessee, went uh, into the military, was was doing field artillery things in the military, decided to go to college, went to Marion Military Institute in uh, near north of Selma or Marion, Alabama, and um, got my degree in, in arts, you know, an uh, associate of arts, then went to UAH, got my business management degree at UAH. And I didn't really get into the information assurance cybersecurity world until I came back from a deployment to Iraq. So I was deployed to Iraq in 2007, 2008, came back uh, and I was hired by a local defense industrial based contractor here in town. It, it was SAIC. And they're they're like, we like we like your foundation, especially with your military experience. We want you to learn information assurance. And so that's kind of where I I grew up in in, from a cybersecurity information assurance perspective.
0: So it's, it's really interesting how you went from one field right into something completely different. So if you would have stayed into the first degree that you decided that you wanted to get, where could you could you have seen yourself in a different future at this point?
1: Yeah. You know, so before I deployed to Iraq, I was a, a FedEx delivery driver. So, you know, wearing those short shorts and the uniforms and everything. And, yeah. Exactly. And, and you know, I mean, I, I, I looked at what the full time FedEx drivers were making, the ones because I was only part time because I was working my myself or uh, working while I was in college at UAH. And so I was working part time. But they'd only, t- you know, they would max out around. Uh, 38 to 45,000. And of course they would get overtime. And I just, I, I knew that that was not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So I mean without being you know bl- a blessing, getting picked up by SAIC and, and, and getting plugged into the defense industrial base, I think that certain, certain opportunities would have been definitely limited with the degree that I had in, in this town specifically well,
0: yeah you know, and if you go back and you think about if you watch other successful people and i think we all do it's like who's more successful that, that we tend to kind of follow sometimes and you you listen to their story and it's like you have to it's almost like that you have to be in the right place at the right time with the right mindset and willing to change um in your industry and so granted that you went from being a fedex driver to now this guy that is well known in the community right so you're well known and everybody tends to know and they gravitate to you and i don't know if you know this or not but if you meet jonathan he's an an incredible individual that kind of like just it's almost like a magnet to you i think i don't know um i don't know if you sense that or not but you're based here in Huntsville, but do you do provide services for other locations? What is like what is those locations? Yeah, so we we
1: I think that we've done work in almost all fifty states, uh including, you know, other countries. So Germany, Honduras, Guam, uh, Rota, Spain, uh, and, and primarily, you know, doing cybersecurity services. So in some cases we'll have like our Guam work is for the Navy and we have we have people out there currently right there on the island doing work and um, so, I mean, like we, we're well diversified area from a geographical perspe- perspective where we have the most people is obviously here in Huntsville. but then we have a small presence in Warren, Michigan, right outside Deloitte. I mean, not Deloitte, but Detroit, mm-hmm. right outside Detroit. And then we also have um, people in Colorado Springs supporting the Missile Defense Agency there. And then we have people at Fort Belvoir uh, in, the, in the DC capital
0: region. So, uh, in this year, you won the Inc. 5000. Uh, 2021 award for the America's fastest growing private company. Um and you're ranked really high actually. Um was it 2,278 or whatever it, you know that number is and so um and then but you are now known as the only Alabama based security firm to be recognized. How do you feel about that? Is that your first time getting that award?
1: So so it is and um you know we grew so last year we grew 187%. Uh, We were super blessed. And, you know, we ranked right there in the middle on the Inc 5000 list. So, you know, we are very honored to be right there in in the top 5000 companies within the United States. that are are growing at such an exponential uh, rate. And, you know, from a cyber, we were we were ranked the the only one, um, I think, in, in, in Alabama, because that's all we do is cybersecurity. You know there are a lot of other firms that were on that list, great firms, and they do do cybersecurity as well, but they do other things as well, engineering services, modeling and simulation, but all we 100% focus on is cybersecurity.
0: So that makes a big difference because you're focused in this particular industry and and know the fact that your your company's grown but when you started h H2L solutions, did did you have a vision for the company or did you is it just kind of like this it's this model that is continuing to change mm-hmm. and grow?
1: So <laughs> when we started H2O Solutions we had no business plan, we had no income, we had no contracts, we didn't know I didn't know anyone in Huntsville, literally nobody that that were, that was in the defense industrial base from a business development perspective or or even on the government services like government um, employee perspective. like cuz a lot of companies they start out they have a business plan they have some in some cases they might already have a contract that certain government officials are saying hey if you start your own business mr or mrs whoever we'll flow you some work not the case um we totally uh started from scratch and we were very very lucky that you know we did listen to uh, a lady miss miss mary jane fleming and she used to be at the ptac office at uah and she just recently retired but we sat down we listened to her she said you know hire a good lawyer." hire a good accountant and and get a good bank that will work for you. So we set up the foundation for the company, you know, eight years ago and it was a very solid foundation. And then from a business strategy perspective, I 100% knew that no one was going to come to H2O Solutions because we just started a company, right? So I started to use social media platforms, specifically LinkedIn, and connected with other people that were in the in the business uh, business community here locally, other CEOs, other CTOs, CIOs, um, you know, business development, capture leads. And I connected with them and then I reached out to them always in a, in a humblistic perspective and said, Mr. And Mrs., you know, so-and-so, my name is Jonathan Hart. I'm the CEO of a cybersecurity company. Um, could I get maybe, you know, 10 to 30 minutes of your time and in, in kind of, pitch you what we're doing. And um, 90% of them responded. And I met with 100% of the 90% that responded. And so I stopped counting after about, I think it was three years in business. And I had briefed in person, probably over 600, 600 CEOs, wow. not just in Huntsville but in other places, DC, I'd go to DC, I'd go out West, and have a face to face meeting with these, um, you know, leaders and their communities. And what I would do is always offer them something. So you know, if, they, if, it was, if the company was an engineering services company, I would go and look at opportunities for engineering services that maybe they would be interested in. Maybe they had not seen these opportunities yet. So I'd send them that opportunity. In some cases, they were like, hey, Jonathan, we didn't even see this. Um, this is perfect for us. We're going to go after this. And because you brought it to us, we're going to give you 10% of this work. And so you know, building positive, building relations, relationships based on positive or what I could bring from a positive perspective into their lives uh, has really come full circle. And now our, our firm, our cybersecurity firm has went from where I'm going and going and going and trying to get on everyone's contract to where we've become this kind of boutique cybersecurity firm where people come to us and say, Hey, Jonathan, you know, we got this PWS or, or a section in this PWS cybersecurity we hear great things about what you're doing. We want you to come and join our team and, and you know, could you also write to this section? And absolutely, of course. You know, we definitely one hundred percent put in the work before the award is, is given. So you know a lot of companies sometimes and it's no detriment to their small business, but they just don't have the, the power or the, the the employee power to write a proposal. And whereas we try to make sure that we do we do give that. Feedback and that, that uh, emphasis on writing so that the primes see that we're putting in our do our, due, our uh, I guess, our homework and our effort into their success as well.
0: well. I think that's actually pretty amazing to know that you went from uh, no real structure to now this incredible company that continues to grow. And now you've got this vision and mission. Um, and also, I think the fact that you are a really hands-on, individual with your company um and that i guess it goes back to that question you're well known for the linkedin connections uh in the community people reach out to you go how did you build this linkedin connection this business to business connection but you built that so can you guys give us some insights on how you did that
1: yeah so um i you know i paid for the premium account i think it's like five twenty five a year but what that gives you it gives you certain insights and like who's looking at your profile, but also it gives you, I think 42, um, messages that you can send without being a connection, but it also gives you kind of unlimited connection power where you can, you can connect with as many people as you want to up to, of course, they have that 30,000 limit cutoff. And once you reach that 30,000 limit or connections, you, you have to, you have people have to start following your profile. You can't be a first connection anymore, but what that did, was I, I realized that that platform itself, LinkedIn specifically, gave me the capability to talk to people that I normally would not be able to talk to ever so in, are in my you, lifetime. So,
0: and in some ways, are you kind of an introvert extrovert?
1: So maybe I don't know. I <laughs> I, I I I think I'm more extroverted because uh, I'll talk to anyone, but but I might have never had a a. Um, possibility or a chance to talk to that individual in person. Yeah. For instance, um, there was the undersecretary of defense at the time, I think his name was Frank Kendall. I connected with him on LinkedIn. Uh, and, and to this day, six years, it took him six years to respond, but I know he read the message. So, so four years ago when we became HUBZone certified, uh, I read an article in the uh, national defense uh, or the NDIA, National Defense Industry Associations magazine, and it was about how the Department of Defense was not meeting its Hub Zone goal. So I messaged him on LinkedIn and I said, uh Mr. Our Honorable Mr. Kendall, this is Jonathan Hard. I just got our Hub Zone certification. However, you know, we'd not be able to do anything with it because we can't get our facilities clearance because you know we've not been sponsored by anybody. That the week the, the week following when I sent that message on LinkedIn, I got a call from an SES out of the Pentagon who was over the DOD small business, um, goals. And he called me and said, Hey, I got an email from the Honorable Frank Kendall. I need you to come up to the Pentagon cause I need to have a meeting with you to see how we can help you. So no way in HE double hockey sticks would I've ever gotten an audience with Frank Kendall being a startup, small business, you know, in year one or two with like two or three employees. But through that social media platform, you know, LinkedIn, it made it possible.
0: That's amazing because, you know, honestly, that's how actually I think you and I actually connected through LinkedIn. We were going to do a program together called LinkedIn Local. Uh, COVID came oh. and we ended up having to cancel. But then you reached out to me and you asked me this question. You said, how well are you? Oh, like, you asked me, how well are you versed in SEO? And I'm like, I'm an SEO guru. And I kind of smarted off at you because I was like, yeah, okay. And I I didn't want you to take me serious. But then I thought, you know, if I don't respond to him in the manner, I think that he might actually, because this is who I am too. I'm personally just say whatever I have to say. And I think you're just as transparent as I am as well. Um, So I think that LinkedIn is really just a great possibility for a lot of people that don't utilize that tool um, that you've done over the years and have you maxed out your number of connections? Yeah.
1: Before? So I maxed out, I think a year, a year and a half ago. And that is the only, it's the only frustrating part with LinkedIn is that when you hit that 30,000, you, you, you cannot uh, connect with people. Maybe that, you'll have
0: to create another LinkedIn account. Like part two, Jonathan Hart, LinkedIn.
1: Man, I don't know. Uh, maybe need to go through there and, 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 filter some out. But, um, yeah, I, I agree that, that LinkedIn, we, i mean we can actually tie revenue on contracts that we've won to linkedin specifically yeah um and just to just to reiterate how linkedin um can really help your you know your business you know i just proved it to my employees especially some of my business uh, development employees last week i went through and you know, i was two hours on linkedin and i messaged every single uh, well i won't say the names but three or four different large business huge, multi-billion dollar businesses um, 70% of them responded and I got a meeting with a hundred percent of the 70, 70% that, that okay. responded. that's incredible. Yeah. So yeah. Capabilities briefs with yeah. the large primes. Right. Yeah. So, uh, well, I mean,
0: people would, I think they, they really crave to figure out a way to connect with people online, you know? And yeah. I think we, we kind of reach out to the, to the, tool using Facebook a lot of times, but if you've mastered the, the LinkedIn process, Especially a business connection, if you're serious, if that is the way to do it, it's just really trying to, you know, getting your name out there. And I think also your face is more involved. People see you more um, and they easily recognize you in the community um, when they see you. And you're very community-based oriented too. You're very involved in your community. So what are some of the programs that you involve yourself in?
1: So the beginning, um, our, our company teamed up with the Harris home for children and we did, we started their annual golf event or their annual golf fundraising event. And that was really well, we did that for three or four years. And I was on the board of directors for the Harris home for children, which is a, a huge passion. I really believe in investing in our future generations that are going to becoming, you know, leaders of tomorrow. Because if we don't invest in, in those future leaders, I mean, what, what better investment to make, right? Right. right. <clears throat> um, some other things, so the Botanical Garden, love that organization. The Burt on the Museum, I'm on their fundraising committee. Um, committee of 100 is a, is a great you know, organization. They do a lot of things within the community. Uh, Thrive, which is a non-for-profit um, urgent care uh, community Healthcare Center here in North Alabama. They're amazing I'm on the board of directors for Thrive. They uh, do a lot of amazing work in the healthcare and um, in, in, the, in the healthcare arena for this for this community. Um, man, there's a whole, there's of lot. So you up. just
0: started, did you start out with just like one or two and it just kind of is growing over the years?
1: Yeah, well, I started out with, with one specifically, Harris Home for Children, because so I didn't want to get over committed. And then what happened is, you know, as I met more and more people and were made aware of more and more great organizations that were, that were out there. I slowly started to align myself with these other organizations and trying to help them. Most of them, I can help them through fundraising and connecting them with people who might want to donate money or monetary donations to their organizations. Cause I do have a lot of you know contacts and people that I know and uh, more of a connector now for those organizations than actually being a part of their board and making strategic decisions on where they want to go.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, honestly, um, when people meet you, you, you have this certain style about you, right? You're, you're just who you are. You wear your, you're always proud to wear your hat. You're always in your jeans. You're, you represent your company so well. And um, so you're, you're kind of like this you know, person that when you meet you, you, you want to become friends with you too. So, um, but being that you're in the cyber security aspect, um, what, what part of this industry do you want people to know about cybersecurity? Like what can they do to, Protect their businesses, especially for those small businesses. What if, what is some of those things that they need to do?
1: Depends on 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 how well they want to protect and what it, what it is that they're protecting. And like I you know I talked on on a couple of these subjects a few weeks ago. If you're a company, if, if you do like you know, a car washing company and you deal you know in cash and, and that's your main main capability, you, you might not have a high um, threat rating from an adversarial perspective. But say you you're, uh, you take credit cards and you, um, you're a dentist's office or you're a, a small mom and pops doctor and you have people's personal identifiable information, their PII coming through, social security numbers, data bursts, things that um, from a value perspective or from a, a um, value asset perspective, adversarial, adversaries would pay money for, then your threat threat level is going to be higher on, on what it is or on how they could infiltrate and take, take advantage of your lack of security. So it depends on what, what market space you're in, and that kind of correlates with how much cybersecurity you should apply to your business. For instance, we'll, do, we'll go with the, a doctor's office. I'd have multi-factor authentication set up. I'd have some kind of uh, fifth-gen or sixth-gen firewall installed where it's monitoring the traffic um, data loss prevention, um, a lot of these different, uh, I, um, um, what was it else or something else, but those are the, some, you
0: know, Yeah.
1: you can, you can.
0: So, so I, I, my thing is like this, if you're th- that small business that can't afford, you know, a, a internal cybersecurity, you know, person, right. Um, that those aspects of the business is so important, and we that's we get too relaxed, right? We give people too much authorization internally, um, and we are not thinking about what could happen, right? right. Instead of being, we we're more reactive than we are proactive,
1: right? And, and if you, I would say, if you have the resources to hire an, an internal cybersecurity, we'll say, employee to help with your cybersecurity, I would challenge you to outsource that to a security operations center or to a managed security service provider that their sole job is to protect your company, Mm -hmm. right? Because you're, you're good at, you know, seeing, seeing and and treating sick patients, not cybersecurity. You don't understand per se cybersecurity. They do. So if you have 50 or $60,000 to hire someone to do it, you get more bang for your buck by outsourcing that and then getting those extra benefits and someone watching and monitoring your IT systems and your network 24-7 than if you have that one person that comes in eight to five.
0: Because back in the day, I mean, it was like, uh, what do we do? We used to go out and buy just a McAfee virus protector and (laughs) think that that was going to solve all our solutions. And now it's just gotten to where it's just so out of control. Absolutely. Do you feel like that there's more, there's more to be done in cybersecurity or do you feel like that it's a growing, it's a growing threat at this point, right?
1: Cybersecurity from a threat perspective is never going to go away. As long as we're connected to the internet, as long as more people are putting more of their information out there on the internet, as long as we're moving more to an, an internet of things culture, they're always going to be a appetite for hacking, for adversarial uh, attacks. Oh, and, so
0: what makes what's So for me, it's like, okay, I understand that they want to steal someone's information. Do you use it to, to you know, as a, more of an identity theft right but there, there's hackers out there that just want to hack just because they get their kicks out of it right
1: so that, yeah so so that's true yeah they just get the kicks out of it and they want to go and destroy someone's life uh they want to see or it's a challenge for them where they say we're, we're i bet we let's see if we can hack into this you know company's yeah. servers and see what we can take so just challenge. to see if we can yeah. you do it but we see, and we have to turn down some of these. I actually I refer some of these cases to you know some people that I know in town that kind of do that work. But we, I'll get spouses that call me all the time, uh, whether it be, you know, female or a male, and they'll say, hey, we're go- I'm going through a divorce. I think my significant other has planted something, uh, a Wi-Fi device or something in, in my house because, you know, everything, you know, I, all my emails are being inset or intercepted. Uh, he or she knows what I'm doing. They know, you know, my bank has been depleted. So, you know, so those can... are very time consuming and they're kind of hard to, from a forensics evidence perspective to prove who's doing that we have a couple people that we uh, refer them to but i mean it's with with the society becoming more and more informed on cybersecurity and also how to uh, use information systems we are seeing this kind of filter down to those kind, that kind of level, from a divorce perspective, where people are going through these divorces, and whoever has the best um, information technology knowledge will set up like traps and, so is and this things like that. friends that
0: are calling you, or is no, this it's just people. People
1: find people us on the website, and they yeah, they hey, knew, and desperate too. Like in in some cases, I've actually referred these individuals to um, one of our partners called Trusted Internet up in uh, New Hampshire, and because you know they are like, hey, you know, they're attacking my my, my business account. And I'm like, okay, man, I'm you know I'm going to send you up up north because uh, you know they they deal with that specifically. You got to pay probably six hundred dollars an hour. Um, wow, to so get it's six hundred dollars yeah. an hour for yeah, something but, like that. Yeah,
0: so you ever told? So I guess that, that that was one of my questions was you you've told people no, like this is not all well, solutions. Well,
1: I've I've told people that we could try, and in some cases, I you know in, in one case specifically, I pay for two hours of one of my employees time so i didn't I, to try to help the individual uh but but it's just there's not a lot of unfortunately there's not a lot of money in it because yeah. a lot of these people you know just don't have a lot of money to sink into it and the cybersecurity profession the professional the talent pool mm-hmm. you know they're charging you know, 150 to like i said 600 dollars wow. an hour
0: yeah
1: for I mean, for their of business, time six
0: hundred dollars an hour I mean, business, <laughs> yeah yeah so, i could definitely use six hundred dollars an hour wouldn't yeah. you um, so you definitely are a lot of, I mean, honor and respect is something that you're very committed to and you can, you know, just meeting you over and over, just knowing the fact that every time I've, I've been around you, um, you definitely give back to the local community, but you're also, you, you signed back into being in the military. You are now back in reserves, right?
1: I did. Yeah. So, so
0: thank you for your service. Thank
1: you. I appreciate it. So that. what
0: made you decide to go that route?
1: Right. So, well, I, I got out in, in, uh, 2012 after doing 12 years in the Alabama National Guard and you know, I started the company in 2014 and so from 2014 until 2019 all these you know conferences, DOD conferences I was going to and I met a lot of retired generals, a lot of retired you know Fulbright colonels telling my story and, and they're like you're you're good at, you're you're a fool if you do not get back in and finish your 8 years you'll regret it for the rest of your life and so I finally, you know, over the over time, that's just kind of resonated in me. And then there was a couple, two reserve, um, well, one reserve uh, Fulberg colonel here in Huntsville, uh, Mr. Curtis Strange. He he said, you know, I'll sign a letter of recommendation for you. And then I had a retired uh, general from USACE, uh, Lieutenant General Griffin, or Major General Griffin, and he uh, he signed a letter as well. And uh, I got submitted my packet back to the accessions the, uh, board and they Let me back in in January of 2020, so right I, before I reached the cutoff age to, to re enlist. Uh, yeah, to re enlist. So. so,
0: how is that, how do you balance? I mean, because that's like H-U-L Solutions, here you are the president and owner, uh, now you're in as reserve, you're, you're a full time father. Yeah, how do you balance that, and how do you balance that lifestyle?
1: So very, very delicately. Um, thankfully, you know, I, I share that time. When my my ex wife does have the kids, you know, so so I don't have the kids all the time. If I had the kids all the time, I don't know how, how I would do it. Um, but with the national Guard or with the reserves, um, you know, I can still run you know H2L solutions pretty well, um, no matter where you know geographically I'm located. Because a lot of it is now I'm at the strategic level, not the operations level. I've got some really, really good operations you know, employees, my COO, my CFO, my strategic business officer, um, strategic capture lead, uh, and then, of course, our, our operations officer on the on the uh, government side, government contract side. They're taking care of the most of the day-to-day activities. So my role at H2L has actually really kind of shifted to business development. And strategic long-term growth, and that, I love that. That's that's where I get to go after potential opportunities that don't need my everyday attention yeah. from from actually running the company. Uh, I still do get in the weeds a little bit, but then I get my hand slapped because I don't need to be in yeah. the weeds but, any you know, as yeah. much. Yeah.
0: So. Well, I think that's incredible that you could take your business from the model that it was as this baby, right, and now it's become this grown adult.
1: Do you have like visions of what the next part of H two L Solutions is going to be about? Yeah, I do. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I like I said, I grew up in SASC, at that, that firm. You know, it was at forty five thousand employees, and of course, they broke off. But, you know, I, I view H two L Solutions as a, a family lifestyle company, and what that means is when you come to H two L Solutions, you're a member of a family. You're just not a number. And I would like, and, and with every small business owner, you know, they love that you know, mentality and that feeling, there's always a transition to where, you know, when we grow and when we get to, you know, 200, 300, 400, I'm not going to be able to meet everybody face to face. And that family, I want to try to maintain that family culture within the firm and, and continue to grow. And I've I'm, I'm challenged myself to do that. And I still, I still go out and I meet our employees in Colorado Springs. I try to go out there twice a year, same thing with Michigan, and then same thing out there at Fort Belvoir. But there'll be a point where that will be really difficult to do. That's amazing.
0: I think that is something that you've developed and that's so important because a lot of times we're so quick to fill a position and not just like, because people can put information on a resume, they make it look good. Right. And you take on a lot of interns, you've given them opportunity, they're learning and growing within the company, but you also take the time to develop this culture. And I think it's so important to have that in your business because because you want people to have the same drive and passion and love for what you do, right? You gotta love what you're doing. And that really shows within your company. And so do you feel like when you take on interns, like what do you look for when you bring them in?
1: So I used to be heavily involved in that screening process and we would look for motivation, we would look for dedication and desire really to to learn, even if they were a paid versus unpaid you know internship and and those were the key factors that i would look for whether whether they had a you know 2.7 2.0 gpa versus a 4.0 right.
0: uh,
1: you know if they were passionate and they were willing to learn we were willing to take them on uh, that's transition now kind of uh, my director of training uh you know jackie blue is leading that we do we have minimum 20 interns a year now that come through h2l solutions uh, we have a training program. And so we even have some high school interns that actually do co-op and they come out to H2O Solutions in the afternoon and, and they, they're they co-oping with the company. And, and, that,
0: you, and you provide this because you see that there's, I mean, even though there's cybersecurity jobs out there, you've given them an opportunity to get the experience.
1: Well, what we've seen is very unfortunate the, a lot of the government defense industrial base or gov- yeah, the government jobs uh, or government contracting jobs specifically, Require that are entry level require four to five years experience. How does a young college grad just graduating college have four or five years experience? And that's just to get an entry level job. So what we've done is we created this program to where they, when they do graduate, they have at a minimum three to four years experience. They have, they have a security um, certification, right. whether it's Security Plus, Network Plus, or uh, another security oriented certification. And they have a security clearance because we try to get them on a clear program. And then they have their degree and they have everything that that they would need in order to go after a another larger company that is requiring that that, you know, years of experience, which is a, a killer because we have a huge gap. We have, uh, Hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity jobs aren't being met because of, of the lack of uh, professionals to fill those. Yeah, and experience. It would, I mean, you can't have that experience if you're just graduating from college. So we get in there with the universities. We preach this. We say, listen, send us you know send us the the, the, the kids or the no, send us the young adults that are wanting to do internships because this is a this is a recipe for success for their future and in and, and also for the country's future from a you know cybersecurity ex, ex, execution perspective and they remember that about our firm they're like oh my god H2O solutions brought me in they taught me what I wasn't being taught in college which is actually how to do the work yeah. and then they set me up for success in my career and that's and, you know, that's going to come back and that's going to come back a hundred fold whenever these young adults get into the the leadership uh, positions in the next five to 10 years for their firms that they're working for. They're definitely going to remember our firm. And they're going to be like, yeah, we want to work with you or, yeah, we've got some work for this you know, government contract we want you to do. Thank you so much for you know investing in my career when no one, literally no one else would do so.
0: Yeah. And that's a hard, I have to be honest with you, that is a very big big asset for, for people. If they're, if they're not willing to take on that internship, they're, they're definitely losing out because I do remember when I graduated, I had a programming degree with two minors and there was absolutely no job for me. I had no experience. I had so, some, experience in programming, but not enough to get me in the foot of the door. right And back then, I'm not going to tell you my age, but back then, um, I was pretty much, um, uh, you know, not a lot of females were in, in that industry for programming. And, um, luckily a family owned business, right. They took me in and they showed me some things that I would never have learned. Um, and I don't know where my future would have been if I did not have that opportunity. So Mm. when you have opportunity, you better take it. Absolutely. So I think that's important. And you've come a long way, you know, I mean, if you think back, a lot of us don't think back. So I think back sometimes, like, you know, we could have gone, you know, left or right. And here you are. I mean, you have something to really go. So do you feel like you're an inspiration to your children? I, I, (laughs) or do you feel like you're just the dad right now?
1: Well, you know, when I, when I, when I have them, um, you know, we, we do fun things like we'll go on vacations. Uh, I took them to to the beach, took them to Yellowstone. And I like to, I'm trying to show them is the entrepreneurship energy that I'm trying to, I guess, flow that down to them and let them, you know, my plan for them is I'm going to create a company for each one of them when they turn 13, whatever kind of company they want to do, you know, we're still talking about that. The, The oldest one, he turns 13 next year, but I'm going to create a LinkedIn page for them. I'm going to manage that page. And then, you know, they're going to be a CEO of whatever company and, you know, daddy will help them, you know, tailor that. But, uh, I, I really, I'm trying to create entrepreneurs and I'm investing in my own children so that they can, it, they know what, I don't like, I don't, I don't take self praise very well. I don't know how to process it, but I want to show them that you can be successful if you put your mind to it and you believe in yourself. And so there's, all, there's very little things that will get you in trouble when you're at daddy's house. And the one thing that I, it's a pet peeve of mine is if they say, I can't because uh, you know they they'll say that and i say there's only two two words that you know i do not accept and that's uh saying can't and shut up <laughs> those are those are you know those are words that i will not tolerate uh, no not shut up it's hate i'm sorry okay. it's 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 um uh can't and hate mm-hmm. because if you actually hate someone you know that is that's a strong word you just don't throw that word out yeah. frivolously it's yeah. You have really think that's about a dirty that. word. It is. It's a very it dirty is.
0: word. It is a hard word because when you say that word, um, it's such a you know a word that is so demeaning. Yeah. Um, over a lot of words, but I, I so going back to the word I can't. So I I back then you know when we were younger we didn't have a lot of role models. Like if you think back, we didn't have those people that really kind of took us up to the level. I mean, because I'm pretty much the only girl in my side of the family that actually has a college degree and owns a business by the way and so kudos to you
1: also oh well thank you
0: i mean you know there's times where you know i mean i don't know about you but sometimes being a, a business owner is like okay i need a break today um I, you know, I need a moment, and um, I don't know if you feel that way. I mean, I've been doing oh, this for 20 years, and so there's times where you're just like, I just need to get away from everybody. Yeah. But I used to have a teacher. I had a dance teacher. named. Her name was Miss Lindsay, Lindsay Hall, and she did that, I can't, and she would say, I can't, never could, never would, and I remember it to this day. So if somebody says, I can't, they'll never try it, and so I always say that, I can't, never could, never would. So I never thought I'd be a business owner, never thought i would be this far in my life. You know, we can't envision what our goals are. But if we have people like you that give people opportunity and that it is their responsibility to recognize it. Um, But I do firmly believe that we are not here to teach you everything. You've got to learn how to fail. Have you ever felt like you failed at some things? What is some of the things you could say you failed at?
1: So I would say the first one that comes to mind is marriage. Right, um, and you know, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, but but from that perspective, other other than you know, marriage, because one when, when when two people decide they can't really coexist with one another, and they have children, it then needs to become not about you or that in, other individual. It needs to be one hundred percent about what's best for those children in that relationship. Because guess what, you both decided to have them. You've decided that you can't coexist with one another. But those children did not ask to come into the world. Right. right. And so it took me a minute to get oriented and focused that on that objective. To so it's it's all about the kids, right? And not not me and not you know my former you know spouse, but the kids. Um other things, you know, I, I don't I don't forget um well I guess another time was we tried to get into the financial financial sector of uh, or financial security sector and um grow that area from a diversification perspective and we failed horribly at it um and it is just you know you 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 go out there it's a it's a crap shoot it's a gamble you're trying to break it into a new market segment and uh i think we spent like twenty seven thousand dollars and just fell right you know flat on our face but i have every anticipation of going back and Reengaging you know, that that market sector and going back after that. I was going that.
0: to ask you, you use it something that you kind of go back and readjust. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely. Just readjust, refire, um, yeah. and and go back after it. And you know, just same thing we did breaking into the Department of Defense defense industrial base. Just continue, never give up. Yeah. Right? Never give up. If some if one strategy doesn't work, you know, pull back, replan, and attack. You know, attack or maneuver maneuver yeah. a, a different way until you finally land that one contract that gives you past performance figure out how to replicate that and continue to, to move forward with, you know, those, those uh, objectives.
0: Well, I think that it's good that you have such a great team of people too. And knowing that those people have the same passion and drive as you do. Um, and you always feel that way. But do you, did you, did you have any influences in your life that made you become this person that you are today?
1: So I think my grandfather is probably the, the one I've, I've mentioned in the past. Yeah. he had, I didn't know this, and after, after talking to him, I knew about two of them. But he's, he had four companies that he started whenever you know, he was young, and uh, two of those were very successful, and, and two of them were based here in Huntsville. One was called Hard Engineering in the uh, in the late '80s, and he sold that to a Japanese company here in, in Huntsville. He lived in, he's, he's always lived in Fayetteville, Tennessee, but you know he's and he actually um, do you know where Amanda Howard's location is? That whole yes. bottom floor right. used to be Hard Engineering. Okay. Yeah. Right where they live in front, of the, in front of the Walmart. And then the other company was Connects, and is in the telephone industry. Right? Uh, when, you know, operators would still pick, pick up the phone, his technology was automated orders. So you're talking to the, you know, like a robot or so, something like that. So, and he sold that one too. And then he retired, but I mean, he's always had an entrepreneur spirit and I saw growing up, you know, his success at, at never giving up and always, Continuing to put forth the effort and the drive to be successful, and but unlike him, I mean, he was an inventor, right? He invented things. He had patents and things. I've not, I've not inherited that <laughs> that that mind of his where you know uh, the drive is there, but the you know his just he
0: knew his, things before you. Yeah, got. Oh, man, it was amazing would, because you know my dad was that way. He really? was a true entrepreneur. And he yeah. was just like one of those like. You know, is either there's always two types of people in the world. It's either a leader or a follower. And yeah, uh, and he would always, he asked me that when I got into my business, and he, he was determined. You've got to try it, you know. And he was always an entrepreneur. So um, knowing the fact that he said that, he asked me that question, and I was like, wow. But he always knew what was coming. And I'm like, how did you? Did he have a crystal ball? Yeah. Did he? You know. And he, and now it's like now that he's gone, you know, I don't have that person calling me always asking me about my business. He's like, okay. Cause that was his favorite thing was to call me and say, okay, how's business going? And we would talk business. And then it was like, okay, well, what's going on with the family? But it was business <laughs> first, family second. him. Yeah. yeah. But he was definitely a family man for sure. Um, so does, does people misunderstand you or what is that? What do they misunderstand about you about you the most? Do you know what that is?
1: Um, that I guess that I do have a, a real side that's not, uh, you know, I guess, Uh, comical (laughs) all the time. So, you know, I, I, do, uh, I do have feelings people. No, I'm, I'm joking. Um, yeah, I mean like some people, you know, like, well, and, and I've heard this, you know, actually, you know, someone was teaming with us on an opportunity and, they hit the speaker button because they were talking to another potential teammate. <laughs> this person, oh my they God. They did not know. They, no, they didn't know that I was in the room and, and they still don't. I'll never tell who it was, but they were like, well, he is just unpredictable. You know, I just don't know if he's got a good reputation. And and if the one thing that I would like people to know is that I 100% uh, care about the the security of the country and doing what is right 100% of the time for the the gems of the country, which would be the warfighters, right? The warfighters that protect the country, doing what's right for them. And, you know, we, at h Solutions, I can 100% guarantee you that we do not worship the almighty dollar. We have lost so much money. Yeah. And I would never say this to anyone but you. <laughs> We've lost so much money, um, you know, doing yeah. projects for other companies because I knew it was the right thing to do. And they couldn't maybe afford our services. So we go in there and, and do it for, for free. Because they needed that, right? Well,
0: you know, and I think that's a very true statement because in the business to survive, sometimes you have to take a loss, right? But you do some things because you like and care about what you do and you care about the people that that are in it. So sometimes we take those losses because then it gives us the room to grow, but it also gives us an opportunity to see that there's other things that come, like you think that sooner or later things will come your way, Right. So I, I'm a true believer that sometimes we lose and we win, but not everybody feels that way. So, you know, some businesses, they have this, they have this cut out box and that whatever's in this box, that's what they're going to give you. But they don't tend to bend for those people, for clients. And um, I also, and, and the, if you knew me, I interview you before I take you on as a client and I will say, no, you're not the fit for me. But I didn't learn that lesson. Um, in the very beginning, I learned that lessons over the years and people ask me, you tell people, no, well, yeah. And I've also fired a client, but he also turned around and rehired me. So in some ways we came to this meet and greet. Um, but I think that that's so important is to still be who you are uniquely. Yeah, absolutely.
1: You know? And and there's actually, I think I am so uniquely me that it either turns people off or people love it. and And I'm fine with that right um
0: well yeah not everybody's not like you yeah um and that's okay and i think that as business owners it's okay we're okay with that um because not everybody is going to like what you do and what you say because they don't necessarily understand you um and also sometimes they don't really understand why you do what you do so but you don't have to you don't have to give people um a reason right there's no reason to really describe who we are to them they either like us or they don't and sometimes it's okay um but if 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 you had one question, what is one thing that you're not really good at? Do
1: you know what that is? Hmm. I'm not really good at. So, I will I, um, always following through with meetings that I schedule. And, and 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 that is, you know, has been from day 1. Uh, and and good thing is I have, you know, even even our meeting today, right? It wasn't I was going to reschedule, but it just is like you know, in me. Like for some reason, whenever I see that, okay, I've got to be here at this certain time. Oh man, uh, how's that we,
0: gonna
1: fit? Yeah, how's that gonna fit yeah. into this busy schedule? So I have yeah. people now in place at the company that that uh, make sure that I that weakness of mine, where I'm like, how am I gonna make this happen? I've got yeah. this deadline to do. There's no way I can drive over town and sit down and do this. Yeah, I have to make sure I have people that are like, no, you are going to do that. And you will do that. You've committed to doing that. And it looks very bad if you don't do that. And so I'm like, oh, Roger that. Okay. You know, and that's with, that's not here, but that was with my whole schedule. Right. So, I mean, I'm. you fill
0: your schedule up?
1: Yeah, yeah
0: yeah do you feel like that you punish yourself when you do that too much sometimes
1: oh and so another thing is is when to say no yeah <laughs> that's probably the better no. that's probably the better better answer to that yeah. question
0: i think yeah that is something that we have to learn over the years. a lot of times people just are just yes 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 just because they want to show that they do this work right
1: and, you know i dr marvin carroll who was the ceo and still is the ceo of tech masters I, he loves giving back to small businesses. And seven years ago, I went to one of his, his seminars and he said, you know, and I took this to heart. He said, always say yes. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, sir. I will always say yes. You know, can you do this capability H2O solutions? Yes, we can. Walking out of the room. Holy heck. No, I how can't. are we going to do that? How right. Are we gonna do um, that? And you know, so, but I mean, in some instances, from a rest and peacefulness perspective, it's good to learn how to say no. Yes. And set healthy boundaries for your sanity
0: reasons. I think that well, I'm a workaholic, I don't know about you, but I think that you know there is no real days off, to be honest with you. We just have to take them in strides. So I may not work a full day and may take, you know, four hours to work a full four hours, and I'm committed to that then I may take the rest of the day and I may throw in a nap. <laughs> you <Yep, laughs> know, I'm going to be yep. honest with you because I cannot be creative and strategic all day long for eight hours, nine hours. And But then I'll work till nine, ten o'clock at night. So yep. I think that sometimes when you're a business owner, you learn to, to adjust, you know, your schedule and stuff. Uh, so if you could go back 10 years ago, what what is something that you wish you had known?
1: 10 years, whoo.
0: That you would be this well, successful? <laughs> well, no. I guess
1: uh, from a business perspective, if I if I was cognitively and, and knew everything I knew now and it was reversed ten years, I would be. Let's see, my late twenties. Um, I might have done the business structure differently on what our capabilities, skill set, and I might have. Uh, invested more in like say a hardware solution to some kind of problem um, and been a little more focused. Cause I think, you know, starting coming from scratch the way we did, it really took us four years before we kind of got um, a solid foundation from a capability and work for past performance underneath our belts. And and, and if I had, you know, n- yeah, you know, I guess understood the market that I was going into from a, strategic level, not from an operational level, because I knew how to do the work, but I didn't know strategically everything else that went into going after the work and paying people. You know, whenever I started the company, I thought that, you know, if I'm paying you $20 an hour, well, I charge your government $20 an hour for that. Nope. nope. <laughs> no way. Not even close. Yeah. Um, and so doing more research and, you know, maybe even understanding about a, a lot more about, you know, business just in a general aspect of how you know overhead works how insurance works how all these other benefits tie into that labor rate that you charge in order to make you know money yeah even if <laughs> it's 80%
0: you're... over right that's well true. i think that's how, the hardest part is knowing that if we could go back is like how much money did we lose or how much money did we spend and didn't rec- you know what i mean yeah. those Gosh, gosh, did they, they didn't teach these things in school. You know what yeah, I mean? That business sense. Yeah. And I think back then we didn't really have Google to like lean on and now we do, but thank gosh for business coaches. Do you have a business coach? Do you have somebody that you so, look up to?
1: Um, yeah. So, so he's since sold his company and I think he's retired, but uh, Mike Alraz was a, was a great mentor of mine. Um, he actually gave us our first contract when we started the company and it was to come in and do a cybersecurity assessment for Venturi, his, his company. And so, uh, I haven't talked to him in about a year cause he's, like I said, sold his company and he's, he's at the house. Yeah, <laughs> so, well, um, yeah.
0: And, then, and, and you, and we'll end here, but do you feel like COVID really ramped up the business. Do you feel like that it, it didn't slow down for you, did it?
1: No, it, it didn't. COVID didn't affect us. Um, the way that it, that it affected you know, most of the, Economy, right? So, from a defense industrial base and DoD perspective, uh, what the Department of Defense did is they kind of let remote work actually happen, and you know the government didn't shut down, and those requirements still had to be met. And since everything's now remote, you know, cybersecurity needs even probably increased a little bit. Yeah. And so, we did not see any kind of s- slowing down from a from a growth perspective for for the company, even even though you know COVID was in full. Playing yeah. full force,
0: I, I can honestly say that I did. I think at one time when it first happened for me, it was like, Okay, what do I do? But then it was just like, It didn't stop, and he hasn't slowed down for you know, so certain types of businesses I think you know, changed. Yeah. You know what, Jonathan? I just want to say thank you so much for coming out today. I know you're a busy man, but I just want to say how great it was for you to be on this podcast today, and thank you for listening to today's episode behind the scenes with cybersecurity and Jonathan Hard again. Uh, and hopefully we'll do this again soon. Yeah, it
1: would be fun. I really enjoyed it, Carla. Thank you so yeah. much. No, thank Shanda. you for having me.
0: Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much.